0: My name is Valerie Payne, and this is the podcast Finding Unity. I started this podcast because of a personal experience that helped me to see the need for unity in our society right now. I hope that you will come along with me on my quest to find unity as we seek understanding, connection, healing, and love. As you listen to different perspectives, remember that it is okay to disagree. Unity comes when we can agree to disagree while maintaining a love for one another. Hi, um, thank you for listening to Finding Unity. I'm super excited because today um, I have Casey Tenney on. Casey, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so Casey is actually in Hong Kong right now, so I'm super grateful for like coordinating this because of the time difference and everything. So I really appreciate that. Um, but Casey's going to be talking to us a little bit about um, the coronavirus and everything that's been going on in Hong Kong because we're filling it here in the U.S. a lot. And, um, but I wanted to kind of back up before we even get there because Casey moved to Hong Kong. When was it, Casey? A couple years ago? When did you move over there?
1: Yeah, it was about two and a half years ago. So, like October of 2017. Yeah, 2017. Um, yeah, we moved for my husband's job. So, we initially were in San Francisco. He was working for a tech startup company. We loved it there. We weren't really looking for anything else, but then this opportunity just kind of, like, fell in our lap, and we thought, you know what, we'll apply for it and see how it goes. And within a month, we had applied for the job, got the job, packed up all of our stuff, and moved to Hong Kong. So he now works for um, Marriott International, so he works for their uh, Asia-Pacific office, their corporate office out here in Hong Kong.
0: Yeah, so the first thing I wanted to ask was just how that adjustment was moving there, like not knowing anyone to a completely new country and how you were able to establish connections and kind of like find unity there with the people.
1: Oh man, everybody has a different experience when they move abroad. For me, it took me about six months to finally feel like it was home. I struggled to kind of find my purpose because I had a job when we were in San Francisco wasn't exactly what I was wanting to do with my life, but I had a job nonetheless. And then we moved here and I was looking for jobs, trying to find something, but I don't speak Cantonese. um, And the majority of the jobs here, if I work retail or anything like that, you know, you have to speak Cantonese and English. Um, And a lot of the time they'll require Mandarin too. Mm -hmm. So for the first few months, I was not really doing (laughs) anything with my life. And, uh, you know, makes you second guess what's your purpose. But um, it was good because I actually was able to get out and see Hong Kong for what it really was. You know, every day I'd get ready, I'd go outside, go somewhere that I'd never been before, and I would just walk around. I would walk into all these little mom-and-pop shops. I would, you know, try some of the food local to the little little area. Um, It was a lot of fun. And I would just take my camera and snap as many pictures as I could. It was really great. Um, so that helped me get used to the culture a little bit. I, you know, Everywhere here, people take public transportation here. There's hardly any cars that uh, people drive themselves. Um, don't get me wrong, there are still a lot of cars and taxis and everything, but the majority of the people that live in Hong Kong take public transportation. So that really helped me as well um, get involved in the culture. But... It wasn't until our actually mutual friend Marin,
0: yeah, um,
1: set me up. Yeah, cute Marin. Hi, Marin. Thank
0: Love you. her. She's uh, awesome. She, yeah,
1: she's so great. She's so great. Um, she set me up with a tutoring job because she was English tutoring on her own, and she was moving back to the states. And she said, "Hey, do you want to take over my student?" I'm like, "Of course." I don't really know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. And she's like, "It's easy." You know, you have a college degree, you're okay. So I kind of stepped into that world of private tutoring. And then all of a sudden I was stepping into the homes and being welcomed into the homes of local families, right? So it was really neat being able to just kind of, you know, seeing what life was like for locals. They were so kind, so generous. They'd offer me food. You know, I... Got to talk with the kids. I was able to pick up some of the language, just a tiny bit. I mean, Cantonese is so hard. So (laughs) I tried learning that for a little bit, but that definitely didn't work. But being able to be involved with the kids and seeing what life is like for a normal family here in Hong Kong was really great. So that helped me, I think, the most.
0: Cool. So Um, it sounds like um, serving and working with the people is what really helped you connect with them. Does that sound right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I love that. And I love, and I just feel like it's important to touch on that before we go into everything else that's going on, because that's a huge thing first is like being able to connect to the community you live in. And then now that, um, coronavirus COVID-19, has been impacting life there? Like, first of all, when did it really start to change? Because I feel like for for us anyway, and I'm, I'm only speaking for myself, having recently moved to a new state from Los Angeles to Utah, but um, I feel like it really has started this month um, of March. So when did you really notice things changing there and impacting life? And when did regulations start to take yeah. place? Yeah.
1: So we got back from our Christmas holiday, um the first of January. And then we had Chinese new year at about the end of January this year. And that's when it really started to kick off here in Hong Kong. So Hong Kong today is a completely different Hong Kong than when we, when we first moved here, the end of January, um, it was like January 22nd. I think Hong Kong declared a state of emergency. And at that point we had only had five cases. But the cases of Wuhan were increasing and mainland China being our next door neighbors, you know, everybody was at high alert. So during the Chinese New Year, um, the local schools here have about two weeks off. The international schools usually have about one week off. So during the Chinese New Year break, they kept schools closed past the holiday and they said, you know, don't come back to school until February 17th. Because a lot of people go back to mainland China to visit families for their, um, for the Chinese New Year. And Mm -hmm. so they knew that people would be coming back to Hong Kong, possibly with the virus, this unknown virus, and getting sick. And, you know, schools schools are like this, like, feeding ground for germs. And so, of course, everybody's going to get sick if they all come back to school. So they just said, we're going to postpone schools until February 17th. And then January 31st, they pushed it back again to, like, March 2nd. They told everybody to work from home if they're available too, because working from, you know, I mean, you're going to catch something at work, too. Mm-hmm. So my husband started working from home then. I still had about, I think, two or three students that I was private tutoring um, at that point. And then... It just kept getting pushed back. Every two weeks, you know, they would say, we're going to push it back even further, even further. They started closing public facilities like gyms and outdoor fields and parks and churches and pretty much everything in Hong Kong was closed. I mean, they still had grocery stores and, you know, restaurants open, but everything everything was closed except hiking trails like the outdoor hiking trail, because there's a lot of hiking in Hong Kong. Not many people know that, but there's a lot of hiking in Hong Kong. And with a 7.4 million people, it just turned into a ghost town. You know, nobody came out. It was quiet. Nobody was riding public transportation. Um, it, was, it was really strange, really strange.
0: Yeah, wow. So now are things, um, like are schools back in session? Or are they still out of school like, are they still saying to stay at home and how does, what does that look like right now?
1: So right now the kids are still out of school. They're doing home learning. Um, Some schools are doing it better than others, but the kids get sent home um, the week's work. And then the teachers actually do a lot of video calls via zoom or Google, Google chats or, um, it's been really interesting actually to see how these teachers have handled it. They've done a really good job, but, um, just this week, they started opening up some public facilities. So we went to, like, a soccer pitch yesterday, and it was open. Um, the libraries are kind of starting to open, but you have to book one-hour sessions as all. So just slowly, they're introducing people back into public facilities. Okay, but yeah. schools are still closed. My husband's still working from home. Um, a lot of people are going back into the office, but some offices will require face masks, actually. Okay,
0: Wow. That's interesting. And then I know I wanted to ask you about, um, you said that like rice and other essentials were being bought out at stores. Um, and that's happening here right now where like everything's empty. People can't find toilet paper or at least <laughs> where I live. I can only speak for myself. Um, so yeah. do you feel like people are still binge buying food there, um, in Hong Kong or do you feel like that kind of slowed down?
1: Oh, it totally slowed down. So, like I said in my Facebook post, you know, we're kind of like the OGs of the panic buying because there was a rumor started here in Hong Kong that the factories in China were going to be shut down that make the toilet paper because of the virus. Mm. And so everybody started buying the toilet paper. It was nuts. It was a madhouse, as everybody in the U.S. is now experiencing. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but like, I still am trying to understand how toilet paper is. The thing people are concerned about because there's other solutions if you run out of toilet paper. <laughs> that's, but true. that's besides the point. But um, I think when people are told something unfamiliar is happening, whether it be, you know, state of emergency, natural disasters, sickness, whatever, we can't control it. And so we stock up on food because that's our comfort, and we stock up on supplies because it's something we can control. Um, so I think that is one of the main reasons why people feel like they need to. And it's easy not to get sucked up into the madness. I mean, it's easy to get sucked up into the madness because if you're seeing somebody, you know, clear a shelf of something, you think, okay, maybe I shouldn't be buying something because what if they don't get it back. Right. Even if you have a two month supply of toilet paper at home, Mm -hmm. maybe I need a year supply (laughs) because I don't know if they're going to have enough toilet paper in two months for me. Right.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. Um, okay story time so I was down to like six rolls of toilet paper and I was like I'll be fine I'll be fine and all this was happening in Hong Kong so I was you know avoiding the grocery store toilet paper madness scene and then I was down to like two rolls and I thought you know I can't find toilet paper anywhere what if I run out and then I walked by one of the grocery stores and people were walking out with rolls of toilet paper and I thought okay maybe I'll go in see if they have any." I went in. They were limiting it to two packs per person. Um, and I thought, no, I'm okay. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So then I was, you know, going about doing some other grocery shopping. And then it just kept hitting me. You know, maybe you should buy toilet paper. Maybe you should buy toilet paper. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you should buy toilet paper. And I was like, ugh, this is going to keep bothering me. So I went and I bought some. And I brought it home. It was a brand I have never tried. It was cheaper. And then... Of course, I'm down to my last two rolls of the original brand that I bought. And what's all on the shelves after I run out of toilet paper? Toilet paper. Stocked from top to bottom. Toilet paper, every kind of toilet paper you could think of, was back on the shelves after I had run out. Wow. Okay, So, so that gives I have, hope, I think, to people have- in
0: the U.S. that there will be toilet paper again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, of course it's going to be. I mean, grocery stores stock every single day. They have a supply. You know, people are not, the world is not going to run out of toilet paper. And it took about two weeks here, I would say. There was two weeks of madness, rice, toilet paper, cleaning products. Um, you know, I mean, cleaning products still are a little bit difficult to find here. You can find them. And they just started within probably the last week or two bringing back like hand sanitizer and half-ups, so I would say two weeks is when the panic finally you know plateaued people started I don't think they could store anymore in their houses I mean houses here are tiny I have 400 square 480 square feet in my apartment you can do my apartment yeah. to house yeah. <laughs> like there's not room to put anything so yeah Two
0: weeks, people. Don't oh, worry; it'll be coming back. <laughs> you heard it from Casey Tenney. So if it doesn't, you know who to reach out to. <laughs> I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Just kidding. <Two> <laughs> um. So I wanted to ask, um, do you have you do you personally know anyone who's been um affected by the virus? No,
1: actually, okay. I do not. I have students but families, their families, their extended families live back in Wuhan, but I don't know anybody personally. Actually
0: the better yeah um and right now i think like for me and one reason i really wanted to do this this episode and thanks again for doing it
1: oh no problem
0: yeah because now we're doing this we're having this uh form of isolation in a way where we haven't had it before where we're being forced to kind of socially isolate from each other so i wanted to ask you um with all of these areas um in hong kong being shut down it sounds like they're starting to open and back up in Hong Kong, but with here in the U S preventing these social gatherings um, for in the state of Utah specifically, I know they've like said no more than a hundred and a lot of people are recommending like no more than 10. Um, But how have you been able to maintain connections through this?
1: So first of all, I just kind of want to stress the importance, the importance of social distancing, because let's be honest, I think Hong Kong was able to, Um, prevent a a big widespread of this virus because of the social distancing that they advised us all to do. Um, I think in order for us to prevent something, we have to work together as a community to maintain public health by staying apart. Uh, I believe that, you know, Hong Kong did a really good job because they learned the hard way back in 2004 from SARS. Mm. So, for me, I think I, I need social interaction. Me personally, I need social interaction, or I go into a dark place, especially if I'm trapped in my tiny apartment mm-hmm. constantly. So for me, it was important to get outside. Um, no more than ten people. If you need to, you know, get together with somebody, I say you do it. I got together with a friend every once in a while, hung out outside, you know, went for walks, visited some places. I think if you need that person-to-person connection, it's okay if you do it in a small group setting. Um, But also, I mean, we've been born in this age where we have all of this technology, right? So Mm -hmm. we have FaceTime, we have texting, we have calling. We can't personally be together, but I think FaceTime goes a long way, especially for me being so far away from friends and family. FaceTime has saved my life, and that sounds so dramatic, but being able to have a connection with people that I don't get to see every day. Uh, FaceTime has been a lifesaver. So I would recommend, you know, actually making those calls and FaceTiming people and texting people and just seeing how they're doing. I would check in on everybody. I mean, I'm not kidding, everybody, because we're all going through the same thing. Some people handle it better than others. Some people are going to be totally alone because they don't live with anybody. Some people are going to live with Ten of their kids, and they're going to need some personal space. That's hard to find when everybody's together all the time. So I think I think social media can help sometimes too, but mostly I think contacting somebody directly to see how they're doing. Um, you know, scheduling calls with your family, you know, group calls or whatever. I think it's important to keep connections. Yeah. Through contacts that you can have.
0: First of all, I really love how you said I had, I had not thought about unity in the way you explained it with us all coming together <laughs> to isolate. Like, we're all working together to kind of conquer this um, spread of the virus, which I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. So I really appreciate you bringing that perspective into it because, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Um, and then, yeah, I love what you said about making phone calls, texting, and... Um, I I did, I put a post on social media myself asking, like, what are people doing to stay connected? And I found it really interesting to hear, to see everyone's responses. Um, some people expressed, like, video gaming. <laughs> some people were, like, um, um, right. phone calls. Yeah, everyone has their own way of connecting. Something that someone just recently shared or posted that I thought was really interesting is he said um, that driving on the freeway helps because he's able to um, he said um, something about cooperating with others while sharing the road made him feel more connected to the to others which I thought was really interesting yeah really interesting I like that a lot yeah and I think a good drive a good drive is good for your mental state right yeah <laughs> yeah and then you're outside as well but um I wanted to ask you a little bit because you had expressed I know some people have mentioned um, that like social media is a way for them to stay connected and I know you had said um, that you had to take a step back from social media to help yourself can you talk a little bit more about that
1: yeah I did have to take a step back so when it first started here, you know, I was reading all these articles coming out of mainland China. I was coming from, you know, all these articles coming out of Hong Kong. Um, these, you know, like mommy groups on Facebook that were spreading all these rumors about what we need to buy. And just, it was outrageous. It felt out of control. And I didn't know exactly what was happening um, because it was a new virus, right? But it was spreading and it was so close to us but yet so far but felt so close because then they started closing down all these facilities and they started closing down schools and we were working from home and I felt trapped. Um, All of my friends started leaving because, you know, they had little kids here and it's not fun to be out of school, trapped in your house and not able to go anywhere. So a lot of my friends went back to the states, and I just felt alone, trapped. And people kept sending me information, saying, like, oh, my gosh, are you guys okay? What's going on? So it didn't help. Um, so I just decided, you know what? I'm going to get off Facebook. I'm going to get off Instagram. And I am just going to, you know, like, shut out the noise. Because if I need to know something, the government's going to tell me. And I, so I just did. I got off social media. And it really helped. Because there was so much panic going on online. And it spreads like wildfire. So I just had to shut it out. And because of that, I was able to, you know, like focus on what I did have. And I was actually able to really reconnect with the relationships that I had because I was, you know, not sitting on social media all day stuck in my house. I reached out to friends, you know, met up with a friend or two. I had, um, you know, my husband was working from home and last year he was traveling so much. We hardly got to spend any time together. So Now we've been able to really just be together and reconnect in ways that we haven't been able to reconnect for a little while. And I was able to focus on things. You know, I was trying to be productive with my time. So I took classes online and, you know, I was a lot more productive with my time and felt more at peace because I wasn't hearing any of this outside noise and panic going on.
0: Yeah. No, I really like that a lot because I, I personally, I think everyone has to do what's best for them. But before this has happened, we've heard a lot of how like social media can be related to depression. And I think there is exactly. a difference between Facebook, Instagram liking posts and using um, like texting or calling or Marco Polo as a way of like communicating. I feel like there's a difference between the two because one, you're posting one thing for everyone to see. As opposed to having like one-on-one human interaction, whether that's through making a phone call or even using Marco Polo to have more of like a face-to-face communication. Um, So I do think there is a difference in that. So I like that you kind of talk about the importance of calling your family, um, making those connections, using FaceTime, but also the importance of taking a step back from social media to help yourself.
1: Exactly. I think think it will help, you know, not overreact and keep a level head because... Mm -hmm you're
0: focusing on things that are actually important. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, I do think it's interesting because I've kind of looked at some things online of uh, things that people are doing to try to stay connected. Um, I've read a couple of yeah. articles just from different news outlets. And it's interesting because some things they mention is like virtual museum tours, I'm um, building your vocabulary, reading a book, meditating, learning, um, And I feel like there's kind of three main categories that they focus on, and it's like education, creativity, and then busyness. And so I think that's important to remember, too, like where are we at right now? Are we just trying to keep ourselves busy because we're like so alone? Are we using education, creativity? Because I think those are ways to connect with people as well.
1: Exactly. I think that's really important. It's interesting because, you know, we're going to be given a lot of time. I mean, we've been given a lot of time, and people in the U.S. now are going to see how much time they're actually given if they can't. Do their everyday things, right? Yeah. But you also see that you feel you, you fill your time with a lot of unnecessary things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's actually really great because it's kind of a reset button. You know, you start seeing what's actually important, what you can fill your time with, kind of the basic human needs.
0: Yeah. And something else I've been thinking a lot about, just like from a religious perspective, you know, perspective is just the all of the scriptures that talk about being still. So like in Exodus yeah. fourteen, thirteen it says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Psalms forty six, ten says, Be still and know that I am God. First King nineteen twelve, after the fire, a still small voice. Mark four thirty-nine, um, he says, Peace, be still. And I think when when this first this isolation thing first comes came about i was a little freaked out because i just moved um from los angeles to a brand new state and i'm like how am i gonna be you know able to have communication with others connect with others and i think that having that stillness and that time to reflect is really empowering and and like you said there's so many things we do that are unnecessary in our life and i think it's a good time for all of us to take a moment and like reset our lives
1: totally i totally agree i think it helps you reconnect with friends. It helps you reconnect with family, even though you are alone. Yeah. It's been very interesting to see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you're not really alone. Not really. Kind of like what you were saying. No. Even though you were in Hong Kong. And I think that your story is so powerful, too, because you're, you were living across, you know, the world in a similar situation <laughs> yeah. and probably felt super isolated, but at the same time able to reconnect with your husband and really, it, so- it sounds like it's kind of been a, a g- really good growth experience. Is that, am I correct in saying that? Or It has been.
1: Yeah, totally. It has been. And, you know, we're still learning a lot because things are not completely back to normal. So we're learning our new normal. Um, you know, we are experiencing new things and we're adding it to the list of things we've learned in Hong Kong, you know. And there's a lot that says about um, sticking with the business, you know, through hard times makes you more valuable as a person and as an employee. We've been blessed in a lot of different ways because now I have nine students a week that I'm tutoring because of all this um, this homeschooling that's going on. Yeah. And it's been a really incredible experience. I People think it's still doom and gloom, but I mean, there's a lot that can be learned so I think if we look for the opportunities to learn, you'll see that there's a it's a really great opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And then I'm curious, the um, students you're teaching, are you seeing them in person or are you seeing them like video conferencing?
1: I am. I am seeing them in person, but I go to their homes. They don't come to mine. So wow. I go to their home, um, and it's about a two hour, one to two hours is usually what I'm tutoring them. But, you know, just extra precautions hand washing like crazy i'm i mean honestly all that we've changed in our house is we've stepped up our hand washing we've stepped up our cleaning we've maintained our exercise we've maintained our healthy eating habits and we've maintained a sleep schedule that's one of the most important things i think is to maintain a schedule um but going back to the tutoring yeah i am seeing them face to face but it's a small group i mean it's them and their little family because everybody in their family is doing homeschooling,
0: so. Yeah. No, that's really helpful advice, too, like staying in that routine, making sure you're exercising, eating healthy, sleeping healthy, because all those things help your immune system. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, What has been unhelpful for you? I mean, we kind of talked about this a little. So, if you feel like we've already tackled this, we don't need to tackle it again, but what has been helpful and what has been, um, like, not helpful in finding unity with others and with yourself during this time of uncertainty and confusion?
1: Um, not helpful. Um, I think everybody knows this now, but, like, panicking. You know, I'm, I think the fear is more consuming than the virus itself. So I think whatever you need to do to not panic, whether that's meditation, getting off social media, um you know, or whether it's, you know, actually watching media because it helps you calm down so you can know what's actually going on. Um, it's different for everybody, but you need to find something in order to help you cope. Um, panic buying is not going to help. Let me just tell you now, panic buying is not going to help. And by the time you run out, everything is going to be restocked anyways. Um, what is helpful? Like I said, you know, finding your own outlet for your anxiety. Um you may be physically alone, but the majority of the world is doing the same thing as you. Yeah. We're all together alone, you know? So they're all watching Netflix at home. They're all going to <laughs> Instagram. You know, we're all doing the exact same thing, but we're just alone. I <laughs> think so, yeah. It's just helpful. Like I said, what's helpful, eat healthy, wash your hands, take a shower, clean your house, you know, clean the surfaces that you wouldn't normally clean. Um, Eat healthy, what else did I say? Eat healthy, exercise, get outside. You know, I think that people are afraid to get outside, but it's really important to get outside. It makes a really big difference, whether you go hiking, whether you just go walking. I don't know what the weather's like in Utah right now or wherever any of the listeners are living, but I think it's just really important to get outside. Yeah. It's good for your mental health.
0: Yeah. Um, something that's helped me too, just in this like short period of time is... Um, seeing good acts, like one of my friends bought donuts for the the grocery workers because she felt bad that they had like just all of these negative experiences from people panic buying. So I like the positivity mm-hmm. that I've seen um, come from this. And I think that's really powerful as far as unity is to me when we have these like crises that occur is really seeing how people interact and come together and help one another. For me, that is so empowering and so helpful um, during these times.
1: Right. Right. I think if people need help, they should ask for it, you know, because people are more than willing to help the majority of the time. If you're out of supplies, I mean, if you're legit out of toilet paper, ask because there are those people that went crazy and bought (laughs) all these toilet paper packs that are more than willing to give you a pack. You know, I mean, if you're out of carrots or out of bread or, you know, something, or if you're out of baby formula, ask. People are going to help you. Um, So it is really interesting to see the kindness that does come from all of this. Yeah. Here face face masks were a really big one here, you know, you couldn't find them anywhere. And if you could find them, they were really expensive. And then I was walking one day and there was this group of people and they were holding out masks to all the elderly, you know, you had to be over a certain age to get a pack of face masks, but they were just handing them to them. So it is, yeah. Times like this where you actually get to see, a really neat kind acts so look for opportunities to do those acts yourself
0: i love that um so what it, other advice do you have any other advice or thoughts for people who might be currently scared of the virus or the isolation that they might be feeling keep a level head because that's going to help you more than anything and
1: if you're in a family environment it's contagious you know people can feel your panic and so if you're panicking your kids are going to feel that you're panicking um, your spouse, your friends, you know, they're going to feel the panic coming from you. So keep a level head because it is going to be okay. We as a community need to social isolate in order for those that do have compromised immune systems so that they don't get sick. Mm-hmm. So it's our job to take care of those people. Yeah. So do what you can to help prevent it for those people that
0: are more likely to get it, you know? Yeah. No, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then um, something, one thing I like to ask everyone who comes on the show is, um, what does unity mean to you?
1: To me, me, I think um, unity means strength. In order to like change or prevent something from happening, we have to be united in a cause. And in this case, you know, we have to be united in doing our part to prevent the spread of this virus. Unity is strength, as the ancient Proverbs used to say, you know? So I think, we all have to be like I said, we all have to be together alone. So we can do this. So unity to me means strength.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much um for sharing and then yeah, just um for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Casey, especially with the time difference and everything.
1: Oh, no problem. Hello from the future. I'm what, <laughs> like twelve,
0: thirteen hours ahead of you or something like that? Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hello from the past. But awesome. Thank you so (laughs) much. (laughs) Yes. No problem. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Casey Tenney again for being on the show. Um, Since we recorded this, there have been some recent updates. Now, President Trump encouraging people to really be in groups of no more than 10. And I think it's important to remember that we are really being asked to physically isolate not socially isolate so that means um, we really need to think of creative ways to keep our connections alive and connect with others Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts remember that it's okay to disagree unity comes when we can agree to disagree while still maintaining a love for one another for more on unity follow us on instagram at finding.unity or on twitter at finding underscore unity.